Welcome to Marin Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors on staff. What's up? Stokes are here from Louisiana. We'll see you guys. This is my wife, Katie. And uh, yes, she is a veteran person married to me. And uh, I'm super honored to be on our pastoral staff. We said, hey, let's do this series on marriage. And I drew the straw of uh, talking about the nuts and bolts of marriage. And I thought, a, I don't want the danger zone of saying something that I'm going to regret. My wife's going to, I'm going to owe her like some shopping spree. And uh, so I thought, why not let the brains of the operation come on up here and, um, and defend herself? So, so we, um, anyway, we're super glad to be with you. Um, like I said, um, we've been married, and Kay's been a veteran for sure. We've been married for 15 years, if you can believe that. We got married with little, little kids. This is a picture of us on our wedding day. We were, uh, yeah, so full of life and so not hitting puberty yet, and it was all, all super great. We were, we were 22, right out of college, ready to get married, and uh, we just could not believe, like, we loved God, we loved kids, we loved each other. We could not believe that God uh, allowed us to get married. We still can. Super great. And, uh, and we got married, and the lady who discipled Katie all through college, she married us, and she gave us some words Hello. of wisdom. Oh, why, don't you, why don't you share with us the words of wisdom? She good. said that Ben was the team leader and I was on the team. Yes, please. <laughs> Old school, baby. Old school. She's on my team, but I am the team leader. No. And uh, we all appreciate that. My dad and stepmom didn't appreciate that, but that's okay. I, it's like this is my marriage, my wife on my team. And, uh, and truthfully, our whole first kind of season of marriage, it was fine. I mean, look at us. We were young kids. We were cute. We loved making out. How hard could this marriage thing be? Um, and then truthfully, it wasn't really until about seven and a half years in where uh, we had to go back all the way to our wedding video to get some marital advice. Because you see, Katie and I, um, right, we want to be on the same page. We want to love God. We want to do these things. And uh, we kind of wrestled. We got to this point, this, this point where I thought we should go one way, Kate thought she should go the other. Jeff kind of alluded to it. It's my favorite passage. It's Ephesians 5, and it simply says, women submit to your husband and men love your wife. And I said, Katie, let's watch her marriage video again just to communicate that point, right? Nope. So good. I know. She loves it. And because um, the deal was, I just finished seminary and uh, was getting ready to do on this, go on this new adventure. We had to leave our church. We were done there and we were ready to move on. And uh, and what did we decide back when uh, we had our wits about us and we were in love and we were eat, having dinner and drinking wine? Back then. What? Back then when we were Back in then. Love. Um, what, what was our big plan? What was our big plan? When? For our future, when we were oh, done with oh, Napa. Oh, oh, We were going to move to another state where we could afford to live. And, and be, for what reason? And be part of what church? And be part of the covenant church. Yes, be a part of the covenant family. It was God's will. We decided when we had our wits about us, we decided. But the problem is it took forever to find a job. And in that process, Katie got pregnant. It took us forever to get pregnant. So she got pregnant. And, uh, and you know when you get pregnant, you get kind of hormonal. And so you can't whoa, really trust your whoa, like, whoa. right? So good. I know. She's a veteran. And, um, <laughs> and so what happened was we, we, we reached this, this crossroads where obviously I love Katie. I love my wife. I love my future family. I, God has called us to do this thing, and we are not seeing eye to eye, and we have to make a decision. Right. So far, so good? Okay. So, this is the, what happened. She can tell. She's like, we were talking about this week. She's like, why are we even I going there? I get re-mad every time you tell the story. So good. I'm like mad already. So, we, uh, so, 
It's only going to get better, I promise. Okay, so like really we, I graduated from seminary, and we, <laughs> and we do this road trip. Look at us. Look at us ni- kids from the 90s right there. Oh, my yeah, hair. Yeah, bangs. I got man boobs. Like, it's all good. And uh, so we're, we're in Montana, and I don't know if you know your geography, but Montana. You have to say why we're there. What? Why were we in Montana? Yeah, because we're on a road trip. We're leaving from seminary, going to Washington, the place that God has called us, that me as the leader of my family, I'm taking my family to go. And look at her eyes. Dead eyes. Dead. Not happy, but I didn't care. And um, we get to Montana, and Montana's a long state, and all of a sudden, Katie stops talking to me. I'm sure you did something. I'm sure. I can't even imagine what, but Katie stops talking to me, and we're driving 100 miles, 200 miles. 600 miles. We finally get to Bozeman, and we're like, all right, we got to work this thing out. So we had this really gracious, loving conversation at this restaurant about God's plan for no. our future. No. How do I you still remember, remember the waitress. She was so awkward because I was sobbing and you were rude. I was not rude. Yeah, you were. I was simply leaning in. You know when no. you kind of lean in, you want to make your point? It's your turn to, to submit, I think is how it went. Right? No, he says, it's time for you to submit. Team leader, how hard can this be? I know. For real, he really said that. I flippin' hate Bozeman. Whenever I think of Bozeman, I can imagine having a burger, my wife crying, the waitress being awkward. Carrying and his child. <laughs> we love you, Noah. And I didn't realize I was leaning so far over the table making my point. And you know, like when you like remember back on something, you're like, all I said was I love you and I want God's best for right. our life. And you don't remember that way. I don't remember that at all. Well, needless to say, that sent our marriage on a totally different trajectory because it was that moment that basically we began a year and a half long fight. And like, not the kind of like, like banging, you know, doors, slamming doors and screaming at each other, but I don't know if you've been through a season like this, but a year and a half where Katie and I were obviously not married going to, on the road together. We were like married, but we are doing our own thing. And there was very... Um, little warmth and love and affection, and she was pissed, and I was a dumb guy. I didn't know what was going on, and for an entire year and a half. In fact, a couple, uh, last year, all the youth pastors in Marin, we got together for lunch, and the, like four of them just got married this last summer, and they're like, we went on this awesome honeymoon, and we have a great foundation for our marriage, and I just felt like, oh, you Whatever. poor babies. Like, <laughs> like a year and a half was, was our marriage, and so we realized As we were putting this thing together, having a biblical marriage, right? That's what we wanted. The Bible says, I'm the team leader, duh. We want a biblical marriage. And a biblical marriage where we take things in the Bible and we like hammer each other over the head with them is actually not the way in which we're supposed to engage this thing. And uh, and thankfully, what was helpful is all we did is say, let's just kind of thumb through the Bible and see what marriage looks like. And all we had to do was kind of begin in Genesis and make it just a couple chapters in before we realized, our marriage is way better than those. Way better. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a couple of messed up marriages, make you feel better about yourself, make us feel better about ourselves, and then we'll turn the corner, hopefully. And hopefully. Then you can have a loving marriage like Katie and I. There you go. So good. All right. Let me pray for us, and then, uh, and then we'll hop into it. Oh, man. It's not going to be good. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my friends in this room. Thank you for my wife and for having her put up with me. And I just thank you that you have called us to be in relationship with you, to be in relationship with each other. And that is such a hard thing. And we just pray as we spend some time looking at marriage, looking at relationships, that you would just be gracious to us, God, because we know marriage brings such incredible joy and such incredible pain. And we just don't want to be flip about that. We want to recognize that you 
are good and gracious and all that, and we want to understand that better. So be gracious to us. Speak to us whatever we need to hear and, um, and nudge us a little bit farther down the road to know and love you. We love you, Jesus. And all of God's kids said, amen. amen. All right. If you have your Bible, just start in the beginning. We're getting after Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, right? God made Adam and Eve. Hey, here's a garden. It's super sunny. It's like the Bahamas, and you get to be naked all the time and have Coronas. All good. That's how it started, but it, it only took like three days in before it goes south. And here's how we are. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more, more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and good from pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then both of their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And I love this picture because I can so relate on so many levels to, to Adam and Eve, of course. Um, but they were made to be together. They were frolicking naked. I mean, our honeymoon, frolicking naked. Super great, right? My parents right? are here. Oh, yeah. Hey, Larry. Sorry, man. Um, you know, that's how, like, but you, like you have this dream but what Adam and Eve, where they screwed up, is there was this sin. It was just a little sin. I mean, you have the whole garden. It was just, don't eat this apple. It was a desiring to look at. It's one small thing. And what we've noticed in our own marriage and in our friends' lives is that when we kind of belittle sin, when we say, hey, this sin, it's just me. It's how I am. It's not a big deal. It always seems to end um, in death and destruction. And I think it's really easy to justify a lot of the sins that we participate in. And I know as a woman, it's super easy to justify um, gossip and talking and grumbling and complaining because it's life and it's hard and life is not easy all the time. And I think it's um, especially hard when we are talking about our spouse. And um, I, had an, I had, many of you know that Ben was on a sabbatical recently for three months and um, I had people all the time come up and ask me, how's his sabbatical going? And I would say, oh, it's so good. And then it would instantly, on a dime, the conversation would many times in many places in my life People, it would change to, really is it good? How is it having him at home? I could never have my husband at home. He would drive me crazy. He would do this or he wouldn't do this. He would do that or he wouldn't. He would, it would be like having another kid. Is it like having another kid? I mean, and they would go off, go off on a very regular basis. That was the response. And um, it was, it's difficult because I don't, it's so easy to say, yeah, sometimes marriage can be hard, and there was days on his sabbatical where it wasn't super great all the time, but in the larger picture it was, but it's still not something that you go around. I wouldn't go around and say, oh my gosh, it's like having a third child, and it's because it's disrespectful, and it's hurtful, and women, we should not be talking like that about our husbands, and um, I think what was interesting, what struck me as I, as I started to hear that over and over again is as I was walking away from those conversations, I would think, that was a very surface, casual conversation where you asked me about Ben and you went off about your own husband. How much more are you complaining, grumbling, moaning, shredding apart your spouse when you are not 
when it is an even longer conversation. And, I, and it's always been a frustration of mine to hear women just go off on their husbands because we would hate it if they did that to us. And it's just an area where it's a small sin because there are frustrating things about living together and doing life together. It's not easy. But it's not okay to shred them and pull them apart to other people. And so it was, it, it was just a really it's eye-opening for me to consistently see that that is a normal way of communication among women that at least that I've been around, that um, whether it's the playground or the you know, downstairs hallway or wherever it is, it seems like it's an acceptable thing to talk about your husband that way. Yeah, when you talk about your husband as a third grader all the time, like chances are you don't want to be all romantic with him also, and so it shuts that whole thing down. Now, what I think is interesting is when I hang out with guys and we hang out and talk, we actually don't talk about our wives at all. Have you noticed that? When you're hanging out with dudes, we don't talk about our wives. Like, at least they fight, like, they, they grumble to their friends about us. We just go, huh, I guess I'm married. I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but what I realize is, like, let's, like, the emotional development that we need to engage in a marriage for men is super challenging. And, uh, and it's like at work, you're successful, you're the man, you kill it, you know, you get all these kudos, there's these clear expectations, and you accomplish them, and life is great, and you come home, and you do not accomplish anything well, and all of a sudden, home just gets to be rough. And there's kind of two ways in which men kind of relate, and one is they get angry, which I thought at first, I'm like, that's really bad, but the truth is, at least if you're angry, you're engaged. If you're angry, at least you're in the fight trying to work it out. What I realized for me, and at least some of my friends, is we just kind of withdraw. And we don't think it's a big deal. Like, who really wants to hear me complain about my wife? Who really wants, you know, I don't really want to get in a fight again. And so we just kind of withdraw. We, we, we step back and we step back. And just like where we get all frustrated with our wives when they kind of shut down the true nudity, right? We get shut, our wives get frustrated when we shut down our emotional nudity, right? When we say, I am not given of my heart. I'm not giving who I am because it's too hard. It's too complicated. And, and we shut it down. And these are just small things, right? What's, I mean, grumbling and withdrawing. Like, they're not big things, but they're these little tiny sins that we just kind of discount, and they send us on these trajectories that cause us to hide from each other and to hide from God. So that's our first uh, biblical marriage that we don't want to be like. And our second one is actually Abraham and Sarah, which I'm sure some of you have remember this story. This one's okay for the guys. Oh, it's not at all, actually. So this is in Genesis chapter 16. <clears throat> so, this says, Now, uh, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So, again, fabulous idea, right? No, I can't imagine ever wanting to give my husband to a maidservant. Ever. I, I mean, I could almost see. <laughs> but here's what was really going on. Abraham had been promised by God that he was going to be the father of many nations, that his descendants would outnumber the stars. And the, Holy, the Lord had told that to him and Sarah, and nothing was happening, and nothing was happening, and nothing was happening. And finally, Sarah takes it in her, she wants, some, she wants this baby that she's been promised and doesn't see how it's going to come through, doesn't wait on it. So she takes it into her own hands and offers 
her husband, what seems like a very good idea at the time, her maidservant, but then as soon as she gets pregnant, they come to, and there's deep resentment, and there's anger and frustration, and there's fractured relationship. And I think that that is very easy for us to do, not that we would ever give over our husbands or our wives to a maidservant or somebody else, not that that's a good idea, but I do think what we do do is that we do um, run after things that fulfill us in a way that is false. And for example, when um, Mackenzie was about five months old, Ben had decided that he was ready to go and wanted to run a marathon. And I thought this was a really great idea. In fact, I was the one that was like, you should totally do a marathon. You, you should do that. You saw that picture. You need to do that. This would be healthy for you. Kill me. Like, you should try it. So I was actually really excited about it, and I really encouraged him strongly to do it, and he wasn't sure if it was going to be too long or too whatever, but I, I thought it was a great idea. Well, as the training went on and on, I want you to remember I have this um, newborn in my house. As the training goes on and on, training